This season of Influencing Entrepreneurs is brought to you by the Entrepreneurs Organization of Charlotte. EO Charlotte is part of the world's premier network of successful entrepreneurs, embracing the unique qualities of the entrepreneur. Desire to build? Extreme achievement? Quest for new experiences. EO opens a new world for peers to learn from and inspire each other, leading tremendous business successes and a richer personal life. EO Charlotte, where entrepreneurs belong. Coming up on Influencing Entrepreneurs. Everybody had to benefit in every transaction in proportion to their contribution. And you know, it was the customer, the employees, the vendors, and the stockholders all had, had, to, had to win in, in the transaction or the business wasn't gonna work. After years of teaching entrepreneurship and consulting with multiple companies, I realized that when business leaders share stories of not only their successes, but their mistakes, it had a huge impact in the classroom. So I thought, why not document those stories? On this episode of Influencing Entrepreneurs, we'll hear from John Davis and Dave Martinson. John and Dave were former business colleagues at PCA International. Both men passionately share their experiences working in an organization that promoted corporate entrepreneurship. I'm Kazmer Ward, and this is Influencing Entrepreneurs. I do want to thank both of you uh, come, for coming in today. So, John and Dave, it's, uh, you guys have, uh, you're part of a, a larger company that was, had its roots here in Charlotte. But, uh, and I want to get to PCA, but I really would like to talk about each of your journeys to PCA. W was PCA just another job? Was it part of an entrepreneurial endeavor on your efforts? And uh, I'd love to hear both of your stories. So, uh, so Dave, I I'll, I'll let you go first. Okay, I'll go first, uh, although John was there before <laughs> me. But uh, I uh, actually, I was going to UNCC, getting my degree in business there. and. One of the, and I've always had a passion for photography, even when I was a little guy. And one of the uh, professors, my statistics professor, suggested to the, his class to seek out some employment at PCA. They were driving Cadillacs off the roof, is what he said. <laughs> and uh, so I thought, hey, that's interesting. So I got my degree finished, went over there and applied. And of course, right for a business position. Well, for actually marketing is what I wanted okay. to get into because that's where I really had my interest. And uh, when I went there, um, right when you graduate from college, you think you know everything and found out quickly I didn't. It was suggested to go out and get a job in the field and learn the business and then come back after some period of time when something was open to get in the marketing department. So that's what I did. And, and, and PCA at this time is what type of company is it? It is a portrait photography company doing um, discount photography in stores like Kmart's at the time Zare, uh, Woolco's, a lot of discount stores around the country. And, and they're a large company, and, but you're in the corporate office. Yes, they. Yeah, well, I I actually started in the regional office, which was also here in Charlotte. And their major facility, their major um, business was in Matthews, North Carolina. That's where the corporate offices right. were, and that was my desire just to work there. So when I started out as a, as a, a salesperson selling pictures, going around North and South Carolina, loading stuff in my trunk every weekend, heading out and selling for three or four days and coming back and doing it all over again. When you say selling, are you, are you taking pictures or you're no, selling packages? I was selling. Yeah, I there was, was a photographer and there was a, there was a salesperson. That's the way okay. they work. 
they, they, had a, they would go in and precondition the store and put posters up and tell people that the photographer was going to be here on these certain days and people would bring their babies in there and pay 38 cents or 88 cents for a, a 5x7 or 8x10 product. It was the, the catch to get people to sit down and they would take the photographer take their pictures and three weeks later a photographer I mean a sales guy like me would come in and present the, the product and give them their their 88 cent 8 by 10 but wait and, there's more but wait there's more oh. <laughs> yes and then so we try to sell them the rest of the pictures so they okay. ranged anywhere from $30 to $60 or something like that okay. and so that's what I did for about a, a year nine months four days three minutes and 38 seconds and after, uh, so I had my opportunity to come in at PCA as, as in marketing research. Right. Job came open and that's where I started my career in uh, the corporate office. You, you, made, you made the big move to Matthews. Yes, I did. You did. Okay. Yep. And how about yourself? Well, I, I was in high school uh, when my dad founded the company in 1967. I was 16. And um, as Dave referred to the Cadillacs going off the cliff uh, every week. Uh, that was $10,000 being lost every week. <laughs> and I'm going, why are you doing this? I'm not gonna get to go to college. And um, it, they turned around after the first two years and started making money. And like Dave, when I graduated in uh, 1973, I had a degree in zoology and was trying to find some work that would pay more than $10,000 a year. And um, my father had an anti-nepotistic policy where you really couldn't work for your father. Um, but I applied to this regional office and got a job as a traveling photographer. And uh, they paid $175 a week plus commissions if you did a really good job. And um, I did that for a year and a half. Now, what the type of coworkers you had? Did the zoology background help? <laughs> yes, yes, they're little wild animals. All right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they would bite you and yeah. do all sorts of unspeakable things. Uh, yeah. It was uh, a tough job, really. Right. Uh, it, you, you traveled out of town. We had to pay our own travel expenses. We had to pay our own gas, our own hotel, all on 175 a week. Right. Um, <laughs> it was 50 years ago. Yeah, yeah, but still, it was it was tough work, and it was very physical. You had to carry around a whole carload of photographic equipment and set it up in the store, photographing sometimes as many as a hundred children a day. And uh, I did that for a year and a half, um, and then uh, the company had expanded into Europe and needed somebody to train new hire photographers over there. And I was able to speak, I'd learned how to speak German uh, earlier in my life. Earlier and in your life or on a whim just to move to Germany? Well, uh, <laughs> before starting PCA in okay. the United States, my dad started a company in Germany called Kinderphoto. Mm -hmm. um, and it was a long story behind that. Uh, that so he, yeah, he was a serial entrepreneur that... At least, yeah, yeah, yeah. at yeah. least three successful businesses. Before that, a camera store in downtown Charlotte, the Kodak store, Simpson Photo Service, okay. uh, was the regional distributor for Kodak supplies in the Charlotte area, and is how he met all the people who were in the portrait photography business in the area. So your love for photography, your, your father's passion for 
all things camera, film, and photography really kind of all uh, meshes together, but now you're no longer a salesperson for photography. You're not carrying the camera around anymore, but you're training Yep. in Germany, yep. correct? Yes. Yep. Um, PCA slowly starts to build, right? Uh, you guys were both there in the late 70s, but 1980s is where it really started to, I would say, thrive. Yep. What what was what innovations were happening at that? Well, well let me let me back you up a little bit. From '67 to '87, '88, the company thrived. It went okay. from zero to uh, over 100 million in sales. Okay. And then for the next decade, and it was it with the still same services. Yes. Yes, they did open some permanent portrait studios in um, like Ivy's and Belks and places like that. But it was, yep. most of it was a traveling itinerant promotion. But, but eventually with that growth, like there can't be a camera everywhere. I mean, you can't, family photos, right. they're very valuable. Uh, they're very uh, cherished. You know, everybody, yep. everybody has one over their fireplace yep. or on their, their, their desk at work. But at some point when you've saturated the market, what's happening to the company? Well, they were, they were photographing about 7 million kids a year uh, at that time and, right. and started to get saturated and the volumes started to fall. And so for the next decade from say 87 to, uh, from 77 to 87, 78 to 87, that kind of time range, the company was essentially flat. Right. And, and Making faltering. money though, but it just wasn't it, growing. We're making about $5 million a year, but it kept dropping every year and they were having to have huge layoffs and uh, nobody was getting raises and it was, it was dark times. And where and are you My both? father had left the company at that time and okay. then there were five other presidents. So now you're in a position five, that with this nepotism years. rule, you can now advance. That helped me a lot. You had to kick him out so <laughs> there'd be room for then, you. Then I was yeah. clean, yeah. yeah. But so, uh, so at, those changes are happening. I'm assuming that there was really some of that trail off was that you guys did one thing really well without innovating for quite a while. So you just kind of played that market for a while, right? Then what happens right around 1987? Well, a little bit before that, um, competition began to creep in. Again, PCA primarily had uh, traveling promotions. And then the company out of St. Louis called CPI Corporation began to build permanent studios and Sears stores. So before, mom would wait for the photographer to come to town and they'd bring their child in to have pictures taken. But when Sears began to expand their business, um, or CPI in the Sears stores, she could take them whenever she wanted to. So that was one of the competitive pressures that was happening. And there were other itinerant type of companies that were out there as well. So the, and not only that, but PCA itself began to expand itself in too many outlets in one market. And so they were kind of cannibalizing on their own business after a period of time. And, um, and then again with the innovations that came along in technology um, where mom could take her own pictures and things like that, that kind of further down the line in yeah. the 90s. But uh, that uh, was one of the big things that caused PCA to, to uh, have some difficulties. Well, and while it's at that flat level, you guys, have risen throughout the company right now. So right around 80, mid 80s, where are you at within the company? I'm sure you're not still training in Germany, are you? Nope, came back to the States and ended up in the same department as Dave in the marketing department. And PCA in Matthews, which is 
was recently the Harris Teeter headquarters, that same building. And you, I'm sure, are at a much higher level than you came in marketing. Yeah, yeah, point. I went in. I went in as a marketing research analyst, and then mm -hmm. corporate research analyst, and then uh, was moved as a marketing test manager, where we did, which was a lot of fun. And then I went into the advertising department. And when I left PC, I was director of advertising right. for a period of time, and then uh, moved to work with a uh, local ad agency here in town. Right. So I left PCA at that time. Okay. And so, so you left you left PCA, but one of the things that, for our, you know, previous uh, conversations and our research, though, is there was a lot of entrepreneurial endeavors that came out, like where PCA was almost this hub or this incubator, right? So there's this flattening level off, which usually that sort of struggle forces innovation or forces yes. shutdown. Exactly. So, so where did this struggle st sparks some innovation. What is that innovation that starts coming out of the, the mid 80s? Well, I guess it's a lot of different things. In my particular case, there was a guy named Ed Tapera, who's a good friend of mine to this day, who um, he was one of the guys that helped build the camera and did technology at PCA. And I, Ed has always had, I think, an entrepreneurial spirit. In fact, he's one of the best entrepreneurs I know. I, I think he's the best you know, entrepreneurial. Um, he'd be great if he was sitting Serial here, entrepreneur frankly. I've ever seen. Yeah, and uh, Ed was wanting to build video transfer machines to sell to one-hour photos and places like that around the country. And as I mentioned, I was working for an ad agency, and he knew me, so he asked for some marketing help. And when I learned what he had, and how much money he had, I said, I don't think this is going to work, but why don't you sell the service? And um, so he thought he'd been thinking about that as well. And so I started to market the service for him. Then we got our foot in the door with uh, some people that had some portrait studios in Montgomery Ward stores. And then our business really took off at that time. I joined. We, so, so you left the agency? I left, I left the agency, joined with Ed and uh, another guy and the other guy uh, we decided wasn't a good fit so it was just the two of us and uh, we grew that business and um, as things happen when you make plans let me just tell you they don't always work out the way you plan them because the company we work with one day just closed their doors they owed us a hundred thousand dollars which we weren't ever going to see again and never did see again and uh, but Right at that particular time, we had an opportunity to meet with uh, the people in the Sears Portrait Studios, as I mentioned to you earlier. Well, they had a distribution of about 860-some studios across the United States. Um, I went out to St. Louis, met with them, got a test, and uh, next thing you know, we're implementing it across the United States. And that's what I did for three years. I literally went in just about every single Sears store and implemented our product into the Sears. And uh, that was that, and then the story continues on, which is quite long. So that that business, though, that goes out of business owing you hundreds of thousands, was that almost a nail on the coffin? Or yeah, unfortunately, and again, this kind of goes back to PCA. Bill Muburn, who was one of the presidents that was at the time, we asked him some advice, and he said, "Do you need?" This was before this happened. He said, "Do you need money now?" He said, "We said, well, no, not really." He said, "Now's the time to borrow." So we borrowed some money before we knew this was going to happen. And so fortunately, we had some, some money to live on until uh, we got through that storm, which we did. And by, by the time 
Uh, we grew that business. We grew that. Uh, we had 125 employees. Um, we were running around the clock transferring old home movie films, photos and slides to VHS tape. Um, again, this is way before digital. And uh, as, as uh, time went on, we knew that the home movie transfer market was going to dry up because it, right. it was a finite market. And so, the technology was changing. Uh, right, exactly. But the one thing we learned in this was creating these videos from photographs. People loved them. I mean, but it was very difficult for us to do because it was an analog process. Hard to make money. Um, but Ed, being the smart guy he is, he came up with a way to uh, utilize the video toaster, which maybe some of your video folks might know about. But it was really one of the very first multitasking computers before Apple. And so he found a guy who could program it, and he built this machine and that was oh, about this big and about 10 feet tall. And we uh, exhibited at a trade show, and Mr. Walmart walks up and sees the machine. He's the guy that was in charge of all the uh, Walmart portraits, or Walmart one-hour photos. And we got a test here in Charlotte, and uh, it, um, had seven stores and worked out very well. And then they asked if we wanted to expand, so we found an investor who helped us out and invested in the business, and we were in 45 stores. And then right when all that happened, we were approached by a competitor that had been born out of PCA, American Studios, and to um, be bought out. And so they bought us out. That worked, um, I became an employee of American Studios. So did Ed, and so Ed, what they really wanted was our technology, really Ed's technology, and to, to bring them to the, to the digital world that was occurring at that time. And so Ed did that, and I ran uh, as controller of the lab while, while I was there. And then after um, that, for two years there, guess what? PCA comes and buys out American Studios. So you end up right back at PCA. You're in, still there, so he I, left you. I was there for 27 years. Yeah, right. so, so he left you in the marketing department by yourself right. to get in all kinds of trouble. Right. What is your, what's happening with you and within PCA while, while he's out running, going every Walmart, every Sears? <laughs> well, I was, I was working hard and uh, was too dumb to quit. Everybody else was quitting and going getting a better job because it was apparent the ship was sinking. Uh, we had five different presidents in that 10 year span from 1977 to 1987. And um, it, the company had become very bloated with cost. There were 25 regional offices around the country and, and different So now they're driving different a, several Cadillacs off the roof every month. Well, they were still eking out, you know, a million dollar profit or something like that on uh, $250 million in sales, something like that. I mean, it was razor thin margin. And the, the cost just kept going up. And some of that pressure on the customer volume started to decline. And so the margins just came apart. There was a lot of change in the company. And then this dynamic, most incredible business leader ever became president, a guy named John Grasso. Okay. And he And came, about around what year? This was 1987, January of 1987. And he came in and closed 
All 25 of the regional offices closed the international operations everywhere except Canada and Mexico. So that was Europe and Japan and Australia took those off the map. And you're still in marketing at this point, right? Um, I was still in marketing right. at that point and um, was uh, a manager in the, right. in the marketing department. Um, and while he was there, um, I worked my way up to become the vice president of marketing. And it turned out we worked together very well. We had uh, very complementary skill sets. And um, in 1990, we took some technology from another spinoff, uh, Glamour Shots. Uh, is if you right. are familiar with that, you know, they dress everybody up and do their hair and put on leopard Oh, it was a big deal growing up, yeah. Yeah, yeah crazy things. Yeah. And um, one of the ex-PCAers was the largest um, franchisee of Glamour Shots, a guy named Jerry Fox and several others, Larry Killingsworth, Clint Burns, Ben German, were all part of that from PCA. Um, well, they had a technology using Sony uh, laser discs. You could uh, record on them in lieu of videotape and you could access randomly the images that you saved to the disc so you didn't have to go through them serially on, like you would on a tape. And uh, one day at lunch, John Grasso and I are talking and he says, why don't, why don't we try that? We, we had built 10 of those studios to understand the competition and thought probably that was the direction the industry was going. And he said, well, why don't we try that in our Kmarts? We've got you know, 700 Kmart locations, permanent studios at that point. Um, and why don't we try this technology there? And so he made me the head of a marketing test to go do that. And we went to a studio down in Monroe, North Carolina, and took this Sony laser disc technology and it doubled our sales average, our average purchase per customer from $30 to, uh, to $60. And it reduced our manufacturing cost by 50% because prior to that we had been producing these large packages of portraits very inexpensively and then gambling that we could sell some of them and we ended up having to throw half of them away. So we were able to just take orders and print only what the customer wanted. One of the themes that I try to find over and over are large corporations that will promote, reward, provide resources for entrepreneurial thinking that leads to innovation. And it seems to be, a lot of systems seem to be broke where it doesn't invite that. How did PCA do this successfully? I, I credit John Grasso. He came in in 1987, and that year the company lost $16 million, or in 1986, they posted a negative $16 million loss. Looked like it was all over but the crying. Um, uh, a company named Reprise Capital that John represented bought half of the company for about $3 million. And it was John Grasso who did all the innovation in the subsequent decade. And ended but, up, but he didn't do it by himself. Like he, he nope. fostered a culture that yes. would would allow innovation to to yep. happen. Exactly. He tried to keep it simple, and, and one of the first thing he did was cut all the costs, and that was bloody and it was brutal, 
but necessary to save the company. So in the, in the very first year he was there, the company posted a million and a half positive profit as a result of those efforts. And then we had that conversation in the cafeteria where we talked about porting, and we, we built some of these Glamour Shot studios. And then Was it a different about, brand than Glamour Shot? Hmm? Was it a different branding than Glamour Shot? Yeah, it, it was, uh, basically, it was PCA. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it was a Dillard's, we, we did it in Dillard's department stores. Right. And um, we, you know, thought, why don't we take that same technology and put it where all of our volume is and see what that does. And that was a big, uh, a big leap in faith. And, and digital stuff was coming along then. There was a company called Matrox in Canada that made uh, a Matrox board, a digital board that would convert a video signal into a digital JPEG. So, so literally we're following the entire technology from yes. film to- And it's changing yeah. every year at this right. point. Oh yeah, right. no. And, so it was and, a lot of risk. And PCA is sticking up with it, but I also yeah. want to say the fact that not a lot of companies will say, allow their one of their employees to go take part of the company and yeah, go run it for yourself and you get to own it. Mm -hmm. How, uh, what, what benefit was there for PCA to do that at that point? Well, I think the benefit was to take a business that was almost in their way and, and get it out of their way. And, uh, and again, as I mentioned, they really wanted to focus on that core business of, of photography. And this was a totally different business. And where you're creating videos made from people's pictures in a, in a Walmart store, you know, on the spot. And it was a very different business. Um, so that I think is the reason why, you know, that was just to really get out of the way. Right. And, but even just to get out of the way, there's still some collaboration. There's still some mentorship from John. It's well, I mean, there was some, not, not a whole lot. Um, you know, he, um, I don't know if he really understood what the business was, frankly. Right. Um, but again, I mean, it's- I it's, think he was trying to simplify. Yeah, that's I mean, what I was just gonna say. Totally simplifying yep. the business, got rid of all the extraneous right. stuff. Yeah, get, get, just But allowing opportunities for other entrepreneurs. Yes. Huge. Right. Yeah. So from 96 on, where, what happens with PCA? Okay, so, um, Let's see, after, well, we, we put this magical thing in this Kmart in Monroe and realized that it would double our revenue and have our production costs. That's pretty good. So we immediately shut it down and, and said, we gotta keep this secret, we don't want anybody seeing it. And we took this Matrox board from Canada, a video camera, uh, our engineers, Ed may have been involved in that, I don't know. No, he was gone yeah, by then, gone, but, yeah. uh, paired a video camera with the lenses in our camera so that it took essentially the same image that the film camera captured. Because a, a digital camera at that time was about $100,000, so yeah, it wasn't gonna happen. Uh, and we captured that video signal and displayed it right after the photography session to the mother, you know, five minutes after photography. The mother's all hyped up about how great her kid did. and took orders and recorded those orders digitally and then sent in a digital five and a quarter floppy disk with the film to the lab in Matthews and it was printed automatically. Just a huge efficiency gain. 
We were in Kmart at that time, which was starting to nose over. Walmart's starting to go like this. And because of this digital innovation that we had made, we started piling in money and took our presentation to Walmart. And they enabled us to uh, operate with our digital approach in their Canadian stores. And we like, tripled the sales volume in those locations. And so then they gave us another test in Southwest United States in 14 or 17 locations. And we did the same thing there. And now that's competing with American Studios, which was in Walmart. Okay. Who was a spinoff of PCA. Right. <laughs> so do you guys get, do you guys take this out to the parking lot and settle it? Well, we, well yeah, they just bought them out. That's what they did. PCA <laughs> bought ASI, I think it was 1997. I think it was $75 million or yeah, something. Yeah, it was, in, well, it was in that neighborhood. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah, $2 a share, I remember that. Yeah. But go, so now going into the 2000s and even into today, like what PCA's got this long legacy, where are they today? Um, they don't exist. Uh, they ceased to exist in 2005 or 2006. Which is not very much long after that you guys find this technology. Right. What causes this? Right, well, we, uh, we had uh, 114 of these digital locations we also opened in PetSmart stores, photographing dogs. Um, and that's a story in itself. <laughs> Um, and then when we acquired ASI, we took, we closed all the PetSmart stores, took their digital cameras and systems, and closed 400 of our, 450 of our Kmart locations, abandoned ship, and moved it all into Walmarts in a 10-day period. That was a, a wild logistical party. Which there's no way that loses. I mean, you're getting returns off that, but something has to happen between that and 2005. In uh, 1999, uh, John sold the company. Uh, it had been a publicly held company from 1976 up until 98, something, 97, 98, and um, sold it for $270 million. So from that $3 million you know, valuation right. earlier, uh, a huge profit for- Making all the shareholders. For a company happy. called Reprise Capital, right. uh, principally a two shareholders. Right. Uh, Joe Rich and Stanley Tulch. Right. <laughs> uh, they did very well. Yeah. Uh, as did the stockholders who, yeah. who had their stock right. from that point forward. Um, and so uh, new ownership came in privately held company. Which has totally got to be great and they know everything. exactly what they're doing. Oh, they were geniuses, <laughs> yeah. actually. Yeah, what did they do in that and, five years? And uh, <laughs> they were all Harvard MBAs and knew how to you know, turn yeah. a dime. So um, Joe Rich and Stanley Tolchin got their money, got to go home. Um, the new management, as frequently happens when you buy out a new company, didn't like the traditional management thought we were getting paid too much and not, you know, not doing it the way they would at Harvard. And so they sent us all home uh, right at 2000 in January, just after the turn of the millennium. Uh, anybody that had a vice president title uh, went except for two guys who remained. And those guys expanded sales in the company, went international, um, didn't manage the people or the labor very well, 
and burned it down within five years. So, so they had some short-term gains, but just burnt the house down in the... <laughs> you know, the story of PCA is really a bit of irony, and it's a long story, but it really was a very innovative company in the early stages. You know, they, they embraced women as far as being managers, um, uh, African-Americans, uh, they had their own child care center right there where my wife worked there for a period of time and I worked together and my son stayed there when he was a little guy and, uh, and the, the technology of the lab was second to none and then again as it's I mentioned this competition came in and they came in a little earlier with the digital approach and so it was almost catch up at that time for PCA and um, so it's, they were very innovative and it's, they lost some, in my opinion, they lost some of that innovation as, as, it, as the company matured. Well, and it sounds like based on what you're sharing that the culture was ahead of its time. At a time that we didn't talk about corporate culture, but it was a very positive and innovative culture. And, and his dad, um, Bud, is, he instituted a, just a, a culture of professionalism that has that truly lives within my organization and every organization that I know that spun off, spun off from that. And the other thing that he did is he gave stock. He gave a lot of stock to his key employees. And it, I, I forget exactly what he said. Well, he, 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 one of his favorite sayings was that everybody had to benefit in every transaction in proportion to their contribution. And you know, it was the, the customer, the employees, the vendors, and the stockholders all had, had, to, had to win in, in the transaction or the business wasn't gonna work. So he gave a lot of his company away to people. He ended up with 4% of it. Yeah, and, 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 and it's, it's something that I've done. I didn't do that, but I have given stock away to my employees. Um, and, it, and I have longstanding employees because of it. So as we kind of close in on the story of PCA, I told you I really am uh, fascinated with, you know, how to implement the thought of entrepreneurship and innovation in larger companies, which PCA did. I'd like to hear from each of you, but what is one thing that these large companies, whether they're banks, whether they're energy companies, whether they're healthcare systems, what could they learn to help them place this focus on innovation in a corporate setting that PCA did so well? I think you just gotta keep your eyes open for opportunity and, and study and learn and never stop learning. You know, and, you and, don't and stop learning you, when you get out of school. Right, and ask your employees. You know, let, let them have some ownership, let them have some, a piece of it so that they have a reason to be innovative themselves and to listen to them. You know, give the people the opportunity, and but listen to what they say and act on what they say. I think that is one of the things that, that uh, bigger companies could do a better job at. Um, I've noticed in my little company, I've always done that, and it, it helps. And sometimes, you know, when you're in a larger corporation, sometimes people, I think, are a little afraid to speak up, and maybe the culture doesn't allow that. But I do think that is a very important thing. Get your people involved. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for, for telling us about your story and about PCA, which is, uh, you know, uh, a story we don't tell on Charlotte enough. Mm -hmm. So thank you so much for your time today. Oh, sure. Appreciate it. All right. Thank you.
Thanks for watching. Make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash nexageeducation or visit casmoreward.com to catch up on previous episodes. And be sure to be on the lookout for our next episode featuring Tana Green, the owner and founder of My Work Choice, a business focused on helping forward-thinking companies build the workforce of the future.